Well, God bless you. 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 Come on in. God bless you. So good to see you. So good to see you tonight. Uh, and we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, God bless you. Welcome to School of the Bible. I'm Bishop D.A. Sharon, your instructor. Uh, and it is a delight to grow in the word of God with you. Now, last week we were uh, very didactic uh, in dealing with, uh, can I trust my Bible? And so tonight we want to deal with in our fourth lesson, our week four, uh, is the Bible clear? Is the Bible clear? And why are so many interpretations? You know, it gets kind of complicated when you start talking like that. So is the Bible clear? So we want to deal with some of that. Uh, and it's going to take us some time to unpack it. I'm not going to rush it. Uh, it may take us a few lessons to really deal with this. I'm not going to try to cram it. Uh, but I do want to just take some time uh, as we grow in faith together. Amen. So come on in. I see you. I see you. Come on in. Come on in, y'all. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in, everyone. Come on in. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, excited to see you. Good to see you as you're coming in. Good to see you. God bless you. So just say, hey, praise the Lord, grace and peace. What's up? It's good to see you tonight. Please, all of our Instagram families, good to see you on Facebook and YouTube. And please, 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 please share this Bible study with someone. I guarantee you it will be impactful. It will be powerful i even put on my global superhero shirt tonight i'm wearing the merch uh, as we are going to share and grow together father we bless you we thank you uh, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you with our minds give us this evening give us this night our daily bread and we give your name all the glory all the honor all the thanks all the praise in jesus name amen 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 all right so tonight, is the Bible clear? And why are there so many interpretations? So how can we claim the Bible is authoritative if we can't understand it? Uh, sometimes there's a term called the perspicuity of Scripture. Uh, it's a real technical term. It just means clarity of Scripture. So, so let's deal with that. So let's unpack that. Let's talk about that tonight, right? We're going to have a conversation. It's just us here. We're going to have a conversation as we deal with, uh, as we deal with, is the Bible clear? Is the Bible clear? So let's deal with this. The challenges to the clarity of Scripture. Okay. The challenges to the clarity of Scripture. First thing we want to deal with is that there's a challenge among those with a high view of Scripture. And so we have two types of views of Scripture. You have a high view of Scripture and you have a low view of Scripture. Okay, so you have a high view and you have a low view. And so I want us to understand this so that we're able to grow together. Okay, so you have a high view and you have a low view. So how does this work? And this is what I really want to deal with tonight. So you have a high view of scripture and you have a low view of scripture. So, first of all, we want to look at challenges to the clarity of Scripture. The challenge among those with a high view of Scripture. So, Bishop, what does that mean? Example, uh, you know, 
you have essential issues and you have non-essential issues. Essential issues are the things that must be agreed to and adhered to to be a Christian. And then you have the non-essential issues, which are things that some denominations and some uh, Christian faith traditions disagree with, but it is not a main essential. For example, we understand that baptism is an essential. You must be baptized. Uh, but how you baptize, uh, the mode of baptism, uh, the place that you baptize, all of those things are different. So you have one that's an essential, and then there are also non-essentials. Okay, and that's why Augustine, the church father, said uh, in the uh, first couple of centuries of the church that in all things, uh, there must be unity in the essentials. In all essentials, there is unity. Uh, in the non-essentials, there is liberty. But in all things, there must be charity. Let's say that again. So in the essentials, there is unity. All right. So we, as believers, we believe that Jesus died, that he rose again from the third day, that he's coming again, that he saves, that he heals, that he delivers, that he was born of Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and was buried. These are things that make us who we are. And then we also understand that there are the non-essentials. And so we want to make sure that we understand this. So we regard some of these disagreements as secondary issues. However, that does not mean they're unimportant or that we shouldn't have uh, dialogue, friendly conversation. Now, the challenge among those with a low view of scripture, these disagreements arise from those who do not share the same commitment to the divine origin, authority, and trustworthiness of scripture. Someone typically with a low view of scripture may see obscurity in the biblical text when someone with a high view of scripture does not. So how is a text to function authoritatively if its meaning is considered to be inaccessible? So we have the challenge among the high view of scripture, challenge among the low view of scripture, but then we also have the challenges of a skeptical world, right? Our culture, our society doesn't trust much of anything. Don't trust cops, don't trust pastors, don't trust politicians, don't trust anything. So we have the challenge of a high view of scripture, challenge of a low view of scripture. And then also we have the challenge of a skeptical world. Let me slow down. So postmodern philosophy and literary theory over the last several decades has cast great suspicion on our ability to access a clear meaning in any kind of communication. Any kind of communication is always kind of like, well, what do they mean by that? What are they saying by that? Who said that? Who gave you the authority? You know, we ask those kind of questions, let alone the Bible. Emphasis is placed on the reader as the person who creates meaning rather than the intent of the author. That's the challenge of our times. Okay, so we see a sound bite and the sound bite uh, could say one thing and the person said something opposite of what the soundbite says, but in the soundbite culture, uh, the person who's reading it creates the meaning rather than going to the intent of the author. So let's define, let's define the clarity of scripture. Let's define the clarity of scripture. My grandfather always told scripture, interpret scripture. Okay, so scripture, interpret scripture. So we're going to look at scripture itself for interpreting scripture. I hope you're growing in this. How, how's, how's this coming along for you? I hope you're growing in this and that we're all on one accord. Amen. Scripture, interpret scripture. So Isaiah 55 and 11. 
Isaiah 55 and 11. Let's start there. Isaiah 55 and 11. Hey, I see you. God bless you. Come on in. Hey, 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 you made it. Okay, Isaiah 55 and 11. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So how does this work? How does this work? How does this work? Okay. <clears throat> the Bible is clear when it's used according to the purposes for which God is intended. But the Bible is also clear on those things that must be believed. The Bible is also clear on those things that must be believed and practiced for a right relationship with God. There are some things, if you are a Christian, that must be believed and practiced. Not just believe, but it must be believed and practiced. That's why all Holy Scripture contains all things necessary for salvation. All right. Uh, I'm going to show you an example. Go to Matthew 28 real quick. Amen. Go to Matthew 28. Our Bible is falling apart. This one. And Charles Spurgeon said that a Bible that's falling apart is normally usually held by someone who isn't. I pray so. <laughs> Amen. Um, what did I say? Go. Matthew 28. Yeah, I wanted to show you something. Glory to God. Matthew 28. Let's go here. Uh, let's look at this. Okay. Matthew 28, the end of the book. Matthew's written to the Jewish audience. Let's look at it. Boom, 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 boom. Let's go, let's go, let's go right now. Here we go. Jesus spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teaching them to what? Observe. Teaching them to what? Obey. How does that work? Teaching them to observe. Teaching them to obey. Now, God, I want you to hear me, God clearly communicates those things that must be believed for salvation, such as the birth, the life, the death of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are non-negotiables. If you don't believe he was born, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead, then you are not a Christian. If you are a Christian, then you believe in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the enthronement of Christ. That is the full gospel. The full gospel is the death, burial, resurrection, but it is also the ascension. Uh, that's why in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, uh, by way of the Holy Ghost, is saying when he ascended up on high, he took captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the working of the ministry, uh, for the uh, equipping of the saints, and for the perfecting of the body. So we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the faith. 
language of the Son of God. I love the language of Ephesians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. So that's Ephesians uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And a lot of times we see the functions of Ephesians 4, 11 as the major importance of the text. But the importance of that text in context is till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Glory to God till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Matter of fact, when he says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, the word equip there in the original Greek connotation is kartizo. It is a uh, word picture or a connotation for a chiropractor. And what that basically means is, is that the equipping of the saints uh, is like a spiritual chiropractor. So uh, the saints, the body of Christ is out of alignment. So the purpose of the ministry gifts or the ascension gifts of Christ is to bring the alignment back to the body of Christ. Just like you would get an adjustment uh, if you had chronic pain or you would get acupuncture work, anybody, uh, you would get acupuncture work done uh, whenever you have challenges. The equipping of the saints, Cartizo, is the alignment, the adjusting of the saints for the work of the ministry. That is what happens when the word of God, the people of God are in sync. Now, I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost stirring me now. Hallelujah. And I want to deal with this because of how important it is. And I want you to hear what I'm saying to you tonight. Because someone has been dealing with some things spiritually and God is allowing this to be your spiritual chiropractic moment in which he's going to realign you according to his purpose and his will. If you believe that, type and say amen. Glory to God. So the Bible is also clear on which behaviors and practices please God and which do not. Now, this is a major touch point in our culture today. This is a major touch point in our society because we today, in the absence of morality, uh, we today are law unto ourselves, judge, jury, and executioner. And so we don't think we have to be accountable to anyone for anything. But the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear on which behaviors and practices please God and which do not. We live in a changing world, but we serve an unchanging God. And so the Bible is clear when it is considered as a whole. So we must read all the Bible and let it interpret itself. Scripture interprets scripture. That's an old BSK line with my grand-grandfather. Scripture interprets scripture. Those parts that are less clear will be made more clear by others. Uh, Gordon Fee, I can't believe I'm even saying the late Dr. Gordon Fee. He passed away recently. Dr. Gordon Fee, in his book, one of my favorites, I recommend it, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And he said the following, all scripture is written for us, but not to us. All scripture is written for us, but not to us. So you got to know the context. You have to know the context and the construct so that you're able to properly and rightly divide the word of truth. So the Bible is clear when considered as a whole, number three. Uh, and number four, the Bible is clear, but not simplistic. And sometimes we have seen and witnessed in our world today the oversimplification the oversimplification of the word of God. The oversimplification of the word of God. 
And whenever the word of God is overly simplifying, these are the things that happen. Okay. So uh, when it comes to this, God is a brilliant communicator. God is a brilliant communicator. Through one book, he can speak to the simple and to the wise. Uh, matter of fact, it was Gregory, uh, church father, who said it is, so to speak, a kind of river, which is both shallow and deep, in which both the lamb may find a footing and the elephant swim. Let the elephant swim. I want to shift gears now into the reasons for the clarity of scripture. And, and I want to I want to hone in on this. So let's go a step deeper. First of all, I talked about this when we were doing our prayer series, that when it comes to prayer, you got to have a prayer list. OK, you have to have a prayer time and you must also have a right view of God. Everybody type in and say a right view of God. Say it again. A right view of God. Type it in and say, I need a right view of God. Why is that important? Because we understand the character of God in his word. I say it again. The character of God is in his word. So first thing we see is God's sovereign power. He is able to communicate with us effectively. How many of you know that God is able? Even when it seems impossible, even when you're unable, even when you're finished, he's not finished. God is able to communicate with us effectively. Secondly, we understand the goodness of God, God's goodness. So we understand God's sovereignty. Secondly, we understand God's goodness. It's a powerful song uh, by Sister Cece, Pastor Cece Winans' love. Cece Winans that I love talks about the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so good. All my life, uh, I, you know, it, it just ministers to me. I will see the goodness of God. Uh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Uh, when I'm overwhelmed, my heart, it just ministers to me. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. God is good. Somebody type that in. God is good. I grew up in devotional service singing a song. God is a good God. Yes, he is. God is a good God. Yes, he is. God is a good God. Yes, he is. So we understand God's sovereign power. He's able to communicate with us. God's goodness. He desires to communicate with us effectively. Thirdly, God's wisdom. He knows how to communicate with us effectively. So the character of God deals with God's sovereign power. That down. God's wisdom. I want you to write that. Thirdly, God's goodness. God's power, God's goodness, God's wisdom. In his power, he's able to communicate with us. In his goodness, he desires to communicate with us. In his wisdom, he knows how to communicate with us. So to say that scripture is unclear is to say something about God's character. It is to suggest that God could not, would not, or did not know how to communicate clearly. So first, that's the first thing I want to deal with. Secondly, the Bible is one big story. When we consider all of scripture and see it as a meta-narrative, as a larger story that God is telling, clarity emerges. The Bible is one big story. It begins in Genesis in a garden. It ends in Revelation in a city. It begins in a garden. It ends 
in a city. When we all consider this, clarity comes and enables us to take the bits and pieces that seem less clear and interpret them in light of the larger flow of the story. God is up to something. Type that in, say it over your heart. God is up to something. God is up to something. One of my favorites, a mentor, one I deeply admire and respect, Bishop Paul Morton, used to sing a song, Lord, whatever you're doing this season, don't do it without me. So we understand that from Genesis to Revelation, protology to eschatology, the garden becomes a city. Uh, we also see uh, in the book of Revelation, the unifying theme in both Genesis and Revelation is the presence of God. The unifying theme in Genesis, protology, Revelation, eschaton, the end, is the presence of God. He was there in the beginning. He is there in the end. You know what I love about God is that he goes to the end of you, then goes back to the beginning of you and makes you. He knows the end from the beginning, but he doesn't show us the middle. So even when we live in the messy middle, the messy mundane middle, God already knows the end of our script. And that's why whenever we hit a pitfall, uh, we can't allow the pitfall to cause us to lose our ground. But we must understand that he knows our ultimate end. Biblical theology is a branch of study that helps us to see the unifying themes throughout the Bible and understand how the story fits together. It's my last question for tonight. Why are there so many interpretations? It can sometimes get overwhelming. Why are there so many interpretations? Well, here's several reasons. I want to give you five reasons why. Okay. First of all, human beings... <laughs> Humanity have sin-stopped ears and sin-clouded minds. Get that down. Humanity, we have, we as a people, all of us are human, we have sin-stopped ears and sin-clouded minds. Sin-stopped ears and sin-clouded minds. My grandfather used to say years ago, the problem with sin is the middle, the I, the you. S-I-N. <laughs> he said the problem is the I, the I is I. Human beings have sin-stopped ears. We all have sin-stopped ears and sin-clouded minds. That's why we got to repent. Got to get on top again. Got to repent. Got to confess our sin unto God. Got to repent. And we have to walk towards sanctification, living for God. Jesus said repeatedly in the book of Revelation, he that have an ear, let him hear. 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 He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So another way of saying it, I'm going to Sharonize it tonight, is he who is ready and willing to hear, let them hear. He who is ready and willing to hear, let them hear. If you're ready to hear, make some noise tonight. If you're ready to hear, say, God, I'm ready to hear from you. I'm ready to receive from you. I declare unto you by the spirit of God tonight that God's going to visit you. He's going to minister to you. He's ministering to you now by the spirit of grace. And so sin clouded minds. The, the New Testament the, uh, reminds us that some will distort what twist the teaching of scripture and we find that uh, in acts chapter 20 verse 30 second corinthians chapter 4 verse number 2 and i want us to go to second peter chapter 3 verse 16 let's go there real quick 
Second Peter chapter three, verse sixteen. Second Peter chapter three, verse sixteen. Amen. Second Peter chapter three, verse sixteen. Here we go. As also in the epistle, speaking of them, these things in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Now, it says Second Peter 3.16. Now I want us to locate Second Corinthians 4 and 2. I thank you for posting these scriptures up. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. I want you to understand the word of God. I'm not trying to talk over you. We want to grow together. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Last scripture, Acts chapter 20 and verse 30. So we already went to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And now I want to go to Acts chapter 20 and verse number 30, okay? Acts chapter 20 and verse number 30. And here it says, Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three days I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The biggest, the biggest, the biggest, biggest threat to church unity, the biggest threat to us in the body of Christ is false teaching. False teaching is dangerous. Uh, and so we have to understand that some will distort and twist the truth, which is why we have to go back to the word of God, go back to the manufacturer. So why are there so many interpretations? Because we have sin-stopped ears and sin-clouded minds. Uh, secondly, we fail to use the Bible regularly. We've got all these applications, we've got all these apps, we've got all these things, and people still don't, we still don't regularly read the word. You can have the audio Bible read it to you. I have you got the hip-hop version. You can listen to all kinds, but we don't regularly read the word. We fail to use the Bible regularly. If we're not regularly using the Bible, then the meaning will be more obscure to us. It will cause us to come up with some poorly grounded interpretations, and we see that. We've seen lives ruined because of poorly grounded interpretations, because of proof texting, taking a scripture out of context, eisegesis, taking something out and making it say something that it never said. Thirdly, cultural pressure. The cultural pressures around us. You know, when people talk about the Bible, the first thing they want to do is talk about slavery and all this. The Bible, Bible condone slavery and all that. Well, uh, when you understand that this, this is a distinction between the ancient world and antiquity slavery, in antiquity slavery uh, was, the, was the electricity of the ancient world. It was not like the transatlantic slave trade that we have seen in history, which was atrocious uh, and took many from the African diaspora and scattered them around the world. That's not the same thing. So when we talk about slavery and racism, sexuality, marriage, gender, all of those things, uh, you see today people want to grab to those things as a defending point for why they don't believe something. But when we understand historically and biblically, uh, we must understand that. And you notice whenever you hear people talk about uh, the cultural argument of Bible condone slavery, they never go to the book of Philemon because the book of Philemon is actual liberation. 
In the book of Philemon, the apostle Paul is dealing with a slave, a runaway slave, Onesimus. And he specifically tells his master, of Philemon, who had made a mistake, when he comes back home, do not receive him as a slave, but as a brother. But you never hear that brought up when we talk about these things. <laughs> I'm ready for you tonight. Okay. So, so Philemon shows us liberation. A friend of mine, Dr. Esau Macaulay wrote a wonderful book called Reading Wild Black. And he talks about uh, these particular issues uh, that come up in our cultural milieu. All right. And so we've got to understand that we're not burying our head in the sand when it comes to these things, but we want to understand clarity. And whenever I talk to people uh, in all works of life, walks of life about these type of things, they often say the same thing over to me. How come when I talk to somebody else, they didn't know any of that? Okay, so 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 we need to have some understanding here when it comes to that cultural pressure uh, has today caused there to be many interpretations and misinterpretations of Scripture. Fourthly, tradition. Tradition. Again, I told you at the beginning, there's a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Tradition is important, but sometimes we simply accept what our tradition says without careful consideration of the biblical text. And so we want to move to maturity, not just what grandmom and grandpa said they meant well, but understanding of the word of God and context of what it says and what it means. I'll give you a perfect example. It's kind of funny, but it's true. I grew up uh, around uh, some of the old saints and uh, uh, there was a, a old mother uh, that I remember, Mother Pettersteth, would tell a story and she would talk about how uh, when she was growing up in the sanctified church, church, uh, church she grew up in, Pentecost church she grew up in, uh, the bishop at the church did not allow them to play marbles. So, you know, years ago they would play marbles. Some kids might say, what's a marble? Google it. Okay, but marbles, you could play with them and play, play, play around. I had them too. Uh, and so the bishop didn't allow them, the pastor didn't allow them to play marbles because uh, they thought uh, that in John 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, marble not, I say unto you. <laughs> now we understand he said marvel not i say unto you so i guess today that would be marvel studios i don't know but at the time and they were sincere but they were sincerely wrong <laughs> so you can be sincere but you can be sincerely wrong and sometimes you miss it so they said well the bible says marvel not i say unto you the bible wasn't talking about marbles it had not been invented yet Okay, he was saying marvel not, but out of their uh, misinterpretation, they made the Bible say something that it never said. So we got to be mindful of these things. Amen. And so last thing, God didn't want us to have 100% clarity. God didn't want us to have 100% clarity. We need sources of help for reading the scriptures. And I want to list as I close four sources of help for reading the scriptures. If this is helping you make some noise right now. <clears throat> the first source of help for reading scripture clearly is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures is with us as a community, uh, as uh, with us personally, and as a community, as the body of Christ as we read it. Internal clarity refers to what happens internally to the person reading or hearing the Bible when the Holy Spirit opens their mind to understand it. No matter how much you can try to jerk someone, they're not going to change until God changes them. 
a person. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Put this up for me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I want to look at that, and then I want to go to Luke 24 and 45. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, and then Luke 24 and 45. Let's go to the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, the road to Emmaus. He opened their mind so they could understand the scriptures. Who opened their mind? Jesus. Who opens the mind? The spirit of God. So until the spirit of God unlocks it, your mind, let there be light. It will not be in illumination. The Holy Spirit will never lead a person or a community to interpret the scriptures in such a way that contradicts the plain meaning of what he inspired in the word. So anytime you want to know if somebody's in the word of God, if they're preaching or teaching to you something that's contrary to the word of God, they ain't in the word of God. All right. There will be a consistency between the internal clarity of the interpreter and the external clarity of the document of the word of the Bible itself. The internal clarity of the interpreter and the external clarity of the Bible itself. So that's the first help. Holy Spirit. Secondly, we've got to have a spirit of humility. We have to have a spirit of humility. We must be aware of our own weakness as interpreters to skew the meaning of the text. We must also be ready to learn and to change our minds if persuaded by the Bible. That happened to me many times. Uh, years ago, I came out of a tradition, and I know some uh, ministries still do, and that's fine, uh, where we took communion once a month. Uh, and as we began to study the scriptures, uh, study the pattern of church history in the early church, uh, and begin to understand the importance of the Eucharist in Acts 2.42, uh, we began to see that they, uh, as often as you do this, emerged uh, into breaking of bread every time they gathered. And so we shifted from being a once a month body of partaking to partaking on every Sunday. And that was a journey that brought our ministry into a greater understanding of that truth. Uh, and others uh, partake as they feel the Holy Spirit leading them, but I'm now I'm now uh, honing in on how that has happened for us. Thomas Cramner uh, said, "Read it humbly with a meek and lowly heart, to the intent to the intent that you may glorify God and not yourself. With the knowledge of it, read it without daily praying to God that He would direct your reading to good effect, and take upon you to expound it no further than you can plainly understand it." So sources for help when understanding scripture. First of all, the Holy Spirit. Secondly, a spirit of humility. Thirdly, hard work. I'm going to say it again. Preaching is hard work. Teaching is hard work. Being, uh, uh, being a student of scripture takes some hard work. You're going to have to work at this. You're going to have to study. My wife would tell you, my, my brother, my family would tell you, uh, there were times when I spent 60 hours to prepare for one message. As a matter of fact, by way of discipline, and I've kept that almost my entire adult life. I've been preaching uh, itinerantly, primarily uh, in an itinerant basis in terms of pulpits since 2002 and was uh, formally acknowledged my call to the ministry and development in April of 1995. Uh, and so for the last uh, 28 years, the last 28 years, I have been uh, given over to the life of the gospel. Uh, and 
when it comes to that, uh, I had a rule at that time in my single days, especially uh, where for every uh, minute that I stood up publicly to preach, I would spend an hour in study. So if I preach for 30 minutes, I preach, I study for 30 hours. If I preach for 45 minutes, I study for 45 hours. If I preach for 50 minutes, I preach for 50 hours. I study for 50 hours. If I preach for 60 minutes, I study for 60 hours. And, and that developed a discipline to come to the word of God. I'm nowhere near where I desire to be. Uh, I have mentors that are my heroes, like Dr. Golfin and uh, Archbishop uh, Clements and uh, Archbishop Luter and Bishop Frank and others that have mentored me along the way, Mark Schroen and others that have mentored me along the way. And I continue to aspire uh, to become all that I can be, and as you should as well, for what God wants to do. But it's hard work. We need to know what the original writer was trying to say in a particular passage and what it meant to the original audience. Uh, a helpful dictum in interpreting scripture is that a passage can never mean today what it never meant in the first place. A passage can never mean today what it never meant in the first place. So again, uh, the Holy Spirit, spirit of humility, hard work, good Bible study involves cross-referencing. Clarity emerged from the Bible when we consider the whole of the Bible, not just individual parts. And lastly, help from the past. Four H's, Holy Spirit, humility, hard work, help from the past, church history. We need the perspective of Christians before our time to help us interpret scripture faithfully. They were not subjected to the same cultural pressures that we are today. So they can help us see it from a different perspective. I pray that tonight, God, use something to minister to you, to encourage you, and to strengthen you. Father, I've said what you told me to say. I've done what you told me to do. Now confirm this lesson of signs and wonders following. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're continuing to do. I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. I give you all the thanks. And I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Thank God and amen. I pray that tonight you have been edified. I pray that tonight that you have been challenged. I pray tonight uh, that you have been uh, established to see the word of God in an entirely different way. God wants to talk to you. All you have to do is open your heart and receive him. I pray that this lesson uh, for School of the Bible Week 4 has blessed you. We're going to deal with some translation stuff. We're going to deal with uh, the function of the scriptures. We're going to look at Old Testament, New Testament, First Testament, Second Timothy Testament. We're going to look at the prophets. We're going to look at how scriptures designed, developed. And we're going to have a lot of fun. But I want to lay this foundation. Have you been encouraged by this series? Please let someone else rewatch it and re-listen and let them know, hey, listen, we, we got some dynamic Bible study going on, some Bible teaching going on. Uh, there's this guy that's doing this Bible teaching. I want you to share this with someone. Share this with a skeptic. Share this with someone on your job, a coworker, a friend. Maybe they have some questions about the Bible. Tell them, look at the book of Philemon. Uh, check out uh, Liberation from that Landscape. And when we heard the terminology of slaves obey your masters, uh, the proper connotation today would be employees and employers. Employees, make sure that you serve those that you're working with. Uh, it was a working or business relationship, not a relationship in light of the transatlantic that we see today. So when we understand that, it brings clarity. It brings cohesion and allows us to run to the face of God. I want you to sow a seed tonight. 
uh, this is blessed you freely. We have given it freely. We have received Get a, a, a good offering uh, that you can. It's just a free will offering. Whatever you can do for $20, whatever, a seat of 20, whatever you can do. But let's be a blessing. We, we didn't do this free of charge. I wanted to do this uh, to be a blessing to the body of Christ and to be a blessing to all of those who have asked, how can we study the scriptures in a more intimate way? We're going to also offer some courses in the future for our school, the Global Training Center. But we wanted to do this as a primer uh, just to equip you uh, to understand where we are. We have four easy ways that you can give. You can give via Cash App. Global is multifaceted in our giving. Dollar sign Global Fire Now. You can also give via Zelle, globalfirenow at gmail.com. Lastly, you can text the word global, G-L-O-B-A-L, to 51400, or you can go to our website, globalfirenow.com, and there's a secure server for our PayPal. All of these are valuable ways to give. Father, thank you for every gift. Bless you for every person that's come together tonight. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you ever want to talk, uh, have any other questions about the scriptures, you know how to text me. If you're on our texting app, you can go to our website. Uh, I am an approachable pastor. I believe it's a very dangerous thing when we can call on the Lord and can't reach the man or woman of God. We love you. Uh, global is who we are. Fire is what we bring. Ministry is what we do. Expect greater. God bless you. See you later. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.